Hey guys, and welcome to the Free Life Leadership Podcast. My name's Austin, and I just got to let you know, I'm really excited about today's conversation. We're talking with none other than Dale Sellers himself, a good friend, a father in the faith, author of Stalled, um, speaker, pastor, leader, you name it, this guy's out there, and you probably already know him or have heard uh, some wisdom coming straight from him. Dale, what's up, man? Well, you know, you left off deer hunter, fisherman, golfer. <laughs> I'm <laughs> doing great, brother. It's good to be with you. Good to hang yeah. out and just wow. talk a little leadership. Yeah, man. So uh, if you're new, if you haven't been paying attention here lately, the concept of the podcast is, uh, listen, I'm just a young pastor uh, that wants to learn how to lead well and steward my leadership well. Uh, and so in doing that, the idea is to get some of the top leadership I can find on this podcast to have a conversation with them and to learn some things, but also get some good content as well for you guys. And so the um, the plan has worked. I've got Dale Sellers in the room with me today. And um, yeah, it's going to be a great time uh, to talk about leadership. Something else worth noting is that this podcast is not only for pastors, um, but this is for entrepreneurial people. This is for anybody who uh, is in any leadership uh, position in their life right now, walking through those things, whether you're the priest of your home, an entrepreneur, a pastor, whatever it is, that's what we want to talk about here is um, leadership and leading well. And I'm just on my pursuit of wisdom. So uh, anyway, without further ado, Dale, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for being the first guest on the leader on the Free Life Leadership Podcast. Today's topic is passion in your placement. Mm -hmm. What do you got to say about that? You should have passion in your placement. I think that'd be really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, you know, it just off the off that, that first, you know, the thought of that title, <clears throat> what it says to me is, is okay. So we, we, we want you to be passionate about what you're doing, but you got to make sure you're in the right place. Sure. Um, and, and I work mostly with small and mid-sized churches. And so uh, in small and mid-sized churches, the strategy for creating a uh, space for volunteers, leaders is uh their strategy uh is need <laughs> right need is not a strategy you know we need people to do that we need people to serve in children's ministry we need people to serve in the youth ministry we need people to serve in the nursery and so what happens is if you, if, if you as a leader if you're always recruiting people out of need instead of helping people take the time to find out what, what they're gifted at what they're good at and then mm. put them in that place if you don't do that you are always having turnover now i have to say this up front in the small church specifically, sometimes you, you just got to get people to come, to fill in because you're just getting things going. But yeah. as a leader, if you as a leader are recruiting people to, let's just let's use the nursery. The nursery is always a big deal. Let's, let's use the nursery for an example. So the typical pastor, you know, we need someone to lead the nursery. And, and you know, they're on that for like four months. And finally someone says, you know, barely we'll raise our hand. I think I'll do it. And and then the, and then because need is the strategy, we grab that person and we stick them in the nursery and we forget mm -hmm. about them. And so like four years later, where would Sister Smith go? You know, oh she's in the nursery. She's burned out from the well, nursery. Well, you go in the nursery and there's her skeleton in a rocker. <laughs> you know, because she's been there the whole time. Because what we do is we take people and we if need is the strategy and we plug them in and then we forget about them. Mm. So even if you have, you know, you're uh, you're you're uh, having a shortage of volunteers. You know, we're recording this on the uh, on the backside of the pandemic issue. I don't believe that it's over, but uh, but we're further down the road. 
And so what we've discovered is a lot of our key volunteers haven't come back. So there's probably not a leader who's listening to the podcast, uh, even in, in business. It's not just church who, who's like, man, there's a shortage. Any restaurant you go to, yep. there's, there's not enough servers. They're all running. Why? Because a lot of the servers in restaurants before the pandemic were not doing what they were called to do. They're just doing something to be doing it. And so people said, you know what? I think I want to get, I'm going to get some training. I want to get specialized. I'm going to go back to school, but I want to do something I enjoy doing. Yeah. So if you're going to have a great volunteer structure, a great volunteer strategy. If you're going to have people who have passion in their purpose, you got to get them in the, in, in, with that, what God created them to be doing what God created them to do. And so that's a long answer to your question. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> awesome start to the podcast. I want to make mention of a sponsor right here, right now. This is the, the time that I'll do that. Uh, today's podcast is sponsored by Nobody. It's sponsored by me. <laughs> so, if oh, wow. He's already started off with sponsors. Yeah, we would love sponsors, though. We're looking for sponsorship. We're looking for business sponsorship. But not only that, if you just want to support the podcast, if you want to see us go and grow, if you want to see me take this podcast to many of your favorite leaders, then what you could do is uh, you could click the Patreon link in the bio. You can give $5, 10 or $20 a month uh, via Patreon. Uh, and that will help us go and grow. There'll be some perks that come along with your subscription with Patreon uh, as of behind-the-scenes cuts and uh, special conversations that don't make it to YouTube or the podcast. And then also, uh, if you are a business and you would like to sponsor the Free Life Leadership Podcast, uh, you can email me at austin at overcomechurch.org. That's austin at overcomechurch.org. The link will be in the bio as well, and uh, we can converse about uh, your your sponsorship. And so thank you so much um, for those that will do that, and uh, we love you, and we'll always honor our sponsors. Thank you. So, Dale, anyway, cutting back to our conversation, you know, when I thought about this topic, passion in your placement, um, I... My, I can't help but to think about like um, a person who is willing to go the distance that God has called them to go. And so somebody who's in tune, somebody who's thinking about, okay, what am I called to do? What am I, uh, what is my kind of similar to what you were talking about? You know, COVID was kind of like a reset for everybody to kind of become consci conscious about um, their calling or, or what they really want to do in life. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think about a person who's, you know, contemplating what am I called to do okay and then now that I know what I'm called to do or at least I have an idea how do I do that how do I do that well and uh you know a key I, I would say a key uh instigator to doing you know what you're called to do well or operating within your uh positioning that God has placed you in uh well, a key would be to have passion in that. And one thing, one verse, i got to bring it back to a Bible verse. Mm -hmm. um, one verse that I think about is a verse that was shared with me back when I was struggling in high school, uh, wanted to quit, wanted to, you know, just dip out of high school and not finish. Um, a verse that was shared to me by my youth pastor was 1 Corinthians 10.31. And we all know it, but it says, so whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of of God, and then also we could talk about a, uh, another verse where it says, uh, "All things um, were created by Him, through Him, and for Him," insinuating obviously that we were created for His glory and to bring Him glory. And so, as God places us somewhere, uh, it's not always easy to have passion in that placement, though. It's not always easy to understand uh, 
maybe the reasoning for the seasons. Like I've preached a sermon, and one of uh, one of the points that seem to have hit home with a lot of people is the fact there is, that there is a reason for your season. And so I think in our placement, wherever God puts us or wherever God's leading us or taking us, to have passion in the midst of that, though I don't, you know, maybe our placement is flipping burgers at the time, right? Um, it's it, it, it gives you a whole different, uh, it's a whole different atmosphere to flip burgers uh, upset because you're not at the top of the executive ladder where you want to be right now. Um, like it's a different atmosphere when you contemplate um, your purpose, your your pa- the passion in that placement. I don't know if I'm making sense of how I'm coming across, but like it's uh, it's a lot harder to think, oh, I'm flipping burgers for the glory of the Lord, or I'm recording podcasts for the glory of the Lord. I'm preaching every Sunday, pastors, for the glory of the Lord, even though Susie's come to me 13 times complaining about the pews or complaining about the <laughs> this or complaining about that, or for you entrepreneurs or you business leaders out there, I'm I'm going to these meetings and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm laying out these deposits to my team um, because... Of the glory of the Lord, I, I'm taking uh, heart. I'm having passion in my placement because I'll tell you one thing that COVID has uh, caused a lot of people to do is realize that uh, you know one everything's trivial, everything comes and it goes, uh, and it can go quickly. But two, you don't have to be anywhere you don't want to be. Yeah, yeah, and that's why a lot of people are hiring right now because a lot of people realized, oh, I don't have to be here. I really don't have to. I can figure something else out, and so they dip. Mm-hmm. You know, they leave. But how do we, you know, how do we speak to the culture of uh, of of people who have passion? One more point, and then I want to hear what you have to say. Um, you know, I have, um, I have talked to a, a few pastors that um, they're. They're pastoring, they're leading in their avenues of leadership because they have to, and then there's those that are leading and pastoring because they're very passionate about it. And one thing that I've noticed is the ones who may not get paid a great big salary to lead and pastor within the church culture um, but have great big uh, passion see more fruit Whereas the people who are leading and pastoring with great big salaries but lack great big passion are wondering, they're looking, like, where is the fruit? And so I don't know if you have anything, like, that you can speak into that, but um, why, why do you think that is? Well, I don't, know, I don't know that the salary has really anything to do with it. It's all about knowing if you're in your if you're in the, your pur- if you're fulfilling your purpose. Okay. But one of the things that I think happens to most pastors um, is is in Ephesians four eleven through sixteen, Jesus lays out. He, he talks to Paul or tells Paul this, and I want you to tell him I want how I want to do the church, and he makes it very clear of what our job is and what our role is. We he says we you know uh, he's given us these gifts: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip saints to do ministry. We don't do that. You know, we talk about discipleship, we talk about equipping, but but to be, to be very honest with you, and I'm assuming that's what you want on this podcast, uh, most most of us create preaching stations where we 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 preach, um, we you know we we enjoy the 
feel you get, you know, when you're up there. And that's nothing wrong with that because, you know, the Lord's speaking through you. That's a cool thing. But our job isn't called to entertain people or challenge them intellectually. Wow. Our job is to equip people. So the majority of the focuses of pastors throughout all denominations across America is more about being preachers than equippers. The people who are satisfied, and I think that's where you were going with that question. Okay, yeah. The people who are satisfied in what they do day in and day out, those who feel, we say this often, oh, that guy, that girl, they're really called to pastor. The people who are satisfied in there are people who are equippers. Wow, okay. Because what equipping does is, see, in most churches, um, if you really think about it, Austin, most church growth in America has been transfer membership. It's like, okay, you know, I come to Austin Church a while. It's a fresh new thing. It's happening. And after a while, I'm going, you know what? He's not really talking about what I need to talk about. And we find out about somebody else. And so we go there. And so so most church growth in America has just been transferring sheep from one place to the other. Sure, we're not you know, bringing just, new sheep. No, we're, we're not. not just, yeah. uh, and, of course, we some places people are being saved. But as a general rule, that's why church growth is kind of in decline. It's because we're not reaching new people. Mm. And, and, and the reason that is is because... Um, Instead of uh, training people, equipping people, helping them to identify their giftedness, giving them opportunities, developing their leadership, all those type things, that's a lot more work than preaching. And uh, preaching, now again, I'm not anti-preaching. We need preaching. Uh, The Bible says that, you know, the preaching of the gospel helps people become saved. But the reality is this. uh, If you are not satisfied at equipping people, and helping them to realize their God-given potential, helping them to realize what God created them to be, then the people get restless and the leader gets restless. So when you're not helping people fulfill their purpose, after a while, you know, you can only live off so many, boy, that was a great sermon today, Pastor. Mm -hmm. What what, what you really want, your objective in pastoring and teaching and leading in, in a church is to raise people up and you, you know, it's almost like John the Baptist. We need them to increase and we've got to decrease. Mm -hmm. That's not the way most churches in America are set up. Right. They're, they're, they're preaching stations. And, and I had, you know, because, I, again, I said earlier we work with small and mid-sized churches. I had someone who was trying to be negative toward the mega church, and I, I'm not anti-anything, okay? I love the church. And this person walks up and says, well, Dale, what you got to understand is that, you know, in the mega, those big mega church, they're personality-driven. And I was the person who said every church in America is personality-driven, mm-hmm. big, little, small, whatever. So the pastor or the leader that is that is contented at, uh, and I mean that in the right way, in developing people, which takes a long time, mm-hmm. that person's the one who's fulfilled. They're, right. they're not looking for something to fill their tank. Um you know, uh, if you know, I've got a wedding band on. It's, it's golden. I don't know if you've got the gold one or the new kind now. Nah, yeah, I yeah. Right. Some people even get the tattoos, which that, that's kind of cool as well. But the reality is this: uh, this this gold at one point had dirt on it. And, mm-hmm. and see, when 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 you as a pastor are really making a difference, you've got to learn how to mine dirt to get the gold and the diamonds. Wow. The gold and diamonds come to you; they come to you with dirt on them. Yeah. You know, if someone comes to your church and they're already a diamond or they're already a gold or they're already silver, that means someone else mined them out. That means yeah. someone else polished them. That mean, and, and, and so if, if, you can, if you have diamonds and gold come to you ready-made, I can promise you they're not going to stay in your church. But when you as a leader begin to go and dig the dirt mm. and, and dig in the dirt and find those nuggets of gold, those diamonds, the, that vein of silver, it takes a while to develop it and, and get it dug out and, and, and it's a polished. little dirty. Yes, and, it's, yes. It's a lot dirty. Yeah. That, but that's true. That's what pastoring is all about. Mm-hmm. And that is not the United States of America model. And that's why I believe we're going through a reformation right now 
uh, of uh, similar to what happened with Luther. I, I think the church in America is being reformed right before our eyes. We are not going to be con- able to continue to do what we always done. And and so one of those key things to go to your to to the heart of what you're asking. Uh, the reason uh, one person is contented and leading, whether it's a small church or they're not making a lot of money, versus maybe someone who's in a, a more uh, prestigious position or out front position, is sometimes, and even in the small place, this smaller fellow has, and again, I'm not knocking the big fellow. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. But that smaller fellow has learned the value of mining the gold and the diamonds out of the dirt. Right. Yeah. So, what I think you're saying here, uh, and, and something that, like everything, obviously, what you just said was amazing. What what is grasping a hold of me though is that though passing or passion for preaching because that's something that I really have. I I do have a passion for communication. I think there's a difference, and we'll get on this in a separate podcast later. Uh, but I just to just to briefly hit on it, I think there's a difference between speaking and communicating. I can speak to somebody who doesn't understand me, and that's as far as it goes. But to call it communication, it's when I speak and they understand and they communicate back, or they speak back and I can understand. That's what communication is. And so I have a very, uh, a, a passion for preaching, a passion for communicating the gospel. Um, and and you're not saying that's bad. No. But what you are saying is that for more fulfillment or to uh, if, if you're going to put your passion eggs in a basket, put it in developing people uh, uh, like um, off the platform, developing people uh, in uh, – I hate to – like I don't want to plug different programs and things, but like small group setting or counseling uh, uh, areas or doing life with somebody. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like those are the that's where you want to put your passion. Do, do you hunt? I don't hunt. I fish. I hike. Okay, all right. So, so all the all the, but you know guns enough to know the answer. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So when you preach, that's a shotgun approach. Sure. But when you disciple and equip, it's a rifle approach. Right, precision. And, and so even when you being the greatest communicators on the earth, with, without exception, cannot go deep with a large crowd. It's not possible. Right. And you'll hear things like you'll, uh, somebody will be preaching and say, now for all you parents out there, you know, this, you know, and so what they do is they literally will be speaking to a large group and they'll single out all the parents and, and pull out a point and just dive in there a little bit. Why do they do that? Because you cannot communicate uh, to the masses uh, some some of the discipleship nuggets that need to be communicated in the classes. Right. There's just it's not possible to do that. There's nothing wrong with the, with the big shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of evangelism takes place there. But you know, come on, Austin, let's think about it. How many altar calls you been in where you've seen the same person walk that altar call? You know, I, yeah. I, mean, I, I know one church I went to where the same person I saw baptized eight times. Wow. So there's something's happening there where they're 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 being stirred in the big in the big gathering. Mm-hmm. But they're not being discipled one on one, and and so if you want to have passion uh, if, in your in your purpose, if you want to have um, understanding that you're helping people to develop into who God called them to be, there's got to be a transitional point to where you get them in a place where you can talk to them, as you just said, with communicating one on one, where you talk and you listen, and you talk and you listen. There's this guy in the Bible named Jesus, and for three <laughs> years, this is what he did. Now, I've had people, I've literally had someone come to me and tell me that leadership development is not even in the Bible. And I'm going, do you, do you remember the guy Jesus? That's what he did for three years. You know, and, and, and he spent three years with 12. One of them didn't make it, okay? Right. But, he, but he took those people, those raw people from all these different walks of life, and he helped them be the best version of themselves to communicate the, 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 uh, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Um, 
but that that was one on one. You know, they didn't sit and read the Bible every day. You know, they right. didn't they are because they didn't have the Bible. They didn't sit and read the scrolls every day. They look at the Torah. You know, he he taught he taught them how to take the principles of the kingdom and make it uh, reality with with their world. Mm-hmm. He talked about planting and and corn and and, and fishing and and all this stuff. He talked about relatable issues. Um, I think we got to we got to get back to that. that mm-hmm. That's 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 where fulfillment comes. Fulfillment comes in one on one pouring your life into others. And again, I'm not anti preaching. I don't want this to come off because preaching is important. I loved I love to communicate with large groups of people too, mm-hmm. but but most of the time uh, the Holy Spirit can move, but most of the time you don't see the kind of life change that you'll see where you're when you're sitting and talking with somebody and right. walking through because you know people have questions and in a big setting you can't answer them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know if that's diving away from where you want to go. No, no, that's perfect. And honestly, that's, that's absolutely the reason for the free life leadership podcast. That's absolutely, uh, the, the very essence of what this is right here. Here I am a young pastor Mm -hmm. seeking wisdom in my positioning, right? I have a great passion for doing it. Well, I want to steward it. Well, God has positioned me as a lead pastor of a church that I have the privilege of founding. Right. And I want to do that. Well, I want to lead well. And so my pursuit for wisdom is this podcast obviously, and exactly what you're communicating, exactly what you're talking about and telling all our listeners and viewers is the very thing that we're doing right here, right now, in this room, me and you sitting together. Well, if I'm Austin and I'm pastoring this new church, I'm going to take the book of Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16, and that's going to be my model. Because it, it is it is the model of how Jesus designed the church to be done. He's going to place these leadership gifts in the church. And their job is to equip saints. And then if you read the next four verses, or the last four verses, 13, 14, 15, and 16, the result of an equipping pastor or equipping leader is this. Verse 13 teaches us we're going to have maturity. It's going to help people grow up in him. Uh, verse 14 teaches us that we're going to have stability, and, and our people won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Mm. Verse 15 tells us we're going to have integrity because we can speak the truth in love. You've been in ministry long enough to know if you tell somebody the truth, they they get mad and leave. You yeah, know? they don't like uh, or, it. You know, so most churches are very love-oriented or very truth-oriented. But you got to have that balance. you got to have the grace and truth. you got to have truth and, but, and love. So when, when, you know, I'll listen to you if I know you love me. I'm not going to listen to you if I think you've got an agenda. But then verse 16 yeah. says this, it teaches us this, that we're going to have community. You know, one of the big questions that has existed probably for 30 years, because, see, today you're, you're pastoring in what I call the residue of the seeker um, and the attractional movements. You're, you're in the residue of that. Mm-hmm. You know, people are used to just coming to see the show and everything being watered down and all that kind of thing. And, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be too critical of that, but I want to say this to you. Uh, people, are, people need substance. They're looking right. for substance. And so if you're pastoring today, one of the questions is, is so, so like when you gather on Sunday mornings, is Sunday morning for the lost? Or a Sunday morning for the saved, you know, because if it's for the lost, you need to kind of water it all down and make it really don't want to offend the lost people. Uh, is it for the if it's if it's for the lost, then the saved don't get much out of it. Well, if it's for the saved, then maybe the lost. It's for both. Right. Your language and how you communicate should be such that it would encourage a believer, but it also would not be so um, Christian easy if I can say it like that, to where someone who doesn't know Jesus comes and has no idea what you're talking about or why you do what you do. Uh, and so we have to find that balance of, okay, we can communicate the truth of the gospel. And that's this is so awesome. This is exactly what Jesus did. Right. He, he, took, the, he took the principles of the kingdom and made them easy to understand. 
And and in our church world today, it's like we talk. We, we, we everybody wants to be deep. Well, you know, can we just get level instead of deep? Can we just meet people where they are? Mm-hmm. Can we can we understand that it's not about me as a pastor? It's not about you. Mm-hmm. I lead a, a company or a nonprofit named Ninety Five Network, and our name comes from the fact that ninety five percent of all churches in America, there's three hundred thousand churches, uh, are smaller mid size. And 95%, 95% of all churches in America have less than 500 people attending. 87% have less than 200 people attending. And 75% of all the churches in America have less than 100 people attending. And that's the pre, pre-pandemic numbers. It's not complicated as to why most churches are small or mid-sized. It's not, it's not complicated. It's be, and, and, and I say this with all love, it's because we don't do Ephesians 4. We don't equip saints. We we don't we don't empower them. We don't train them. Uh, we our model is broken. That's why I think we're in the middle of a reformation. And so uh, what we've got to do is we've got to learn how as pastors. And it, you know, if I got one thing I can tell you as a young pastor, at the beginning of this church, you've got to make equipping the number one priority of what you do. It's not about you. It's not right. about you having this great personality. Or because here's the deal. You know what? If you have to do a dog and pony show to get everybody to come. You'll have to do a dog and pony show to keep them. And what, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you have in, you know, whoever the hot band is today, if you, it, this is America, okay? If you have the hot band, whoever the hot band is today, you know, you know, I don't know who, I don't even know who's hot anymore. But you have a hot band in, you have that same band three or four weeks in a row, and people will get tired of it. Mm. They want something else. So you have to go up. And so if if I could give you one great word of advice as a young pastor, and for any young pastors who are listening, do not let hype be part of what you do because if you if you can't sustain hype if i gotta if i gotta hype them up if i gotta stir them up if i gotta get them all worked up if i gotta tell them if i gotta tell them how exciting it is to be a christian we got problems somewhere mm-hmm. if i have to if i have to keep always stoking the fire to to get our keep our people on edge you got problems because it'll wear you out Right. It'll wear out your staff. It'll wear out your volunteers. If hype is what and you use to And then possibly the first time you can't hype it up, uh, you lose influence. People look at you and go, okay, what's wrong with you? Or, yeah. or, or, or the church ain't what it used to be, you know? Yeah. Because they, they're, 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 our American society, our American churchgoers are used to coming and seeing the show. And, and you know what? I don't want you to misunderstand it. That's not just in the attractional churches with great light and sound and bands. Uh, you know, liturgical churches and traditional churches, everybody picks a church based on what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, so we all have to be careful that we don't allow our form of hype to be what draws people. What draw, should be drawing people and growing people is that we are equipping them to become more like Jesus, and then in turn, they go and share their faith. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Dale. Um, so I guess a leadership question for me uh, and I'll always try to come with some sort of leadership question that might uh, correlate with the topic for the day. And so uh, my leadership question to ask you would be, um, so in my placement mm-hmm. as a lead pastor of a church that I had the privilege of of starting, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're... Uh, let me give you a little context. We're almost a year into this thing, and it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing team. Uh, we have four on staff, including me. Uh, we have an awesome leadership team that helped me make all the decisions and um, and 
we all seek the Lord's will together. We're in a place, though, now where it's not... Uh, it's not as much, you know, when you start an organization, it's like all hands on deck. We're all just trying to accomplish the, the foundational, uh, you know, setting of the organization. But now we're to a point where it's not necessarily where everybody's hands have to be on every single thing. And what I'm experiencing is my passion wants me to uh, still have my hands on every single thing. And my passion wants me and influences me to uh, try to have control over everything. Mm-hmm. And my question would be, is what is wise for uh, my, uh, and maybe this speaks to some listeners, or maybe it even speaks into uh, some business owners, some entrepreneurs involving your leadership teams. But um, what is wise for me? Uh, is it uh, and maybe you have something other than these two options, uh, is it should I uh, try to still have my hand on on most of what's going on within the organization, or should I, is it is it better stewardship to trust my leadership and relinquish what these people have been placed over or, or given, you know, the reins to relinquish that to them and not concern myself too much with those things until something may go awry. Or what, what is your, you talk to churches on a day-to-day basis. What do you have for me in that? Because here's, like I said, my passion right now, we're in a place where, um, you know, I, I don't have to, I don't think I have to be so much a part of everything that happens within the organization. We have great leadership, we have a great team, and they all have the organization's best interest at heart, not to mention they're all godly men and women that seek the face of the Lord and His wisdom for what they do next within the organization. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is should I be a, should I micromanage this thing and call it good stewardship, or should I learn how to take my passion and place it... Um, in, in the things that directly concern me as lead pastor of Overcome Church. You let me know. Do you want it to grow? <laughs> yes, that's the thing. I want do, them, do you, I want, you, it want it and to, them to grow. Do you want it to impact the community? Absolutely. Okay, well, you know, you have a lid. I don't know your lid. I don't, I have any idea. You know, this is John Maxwell 101. You know, you have a, a, a comfort zone, a level, if you will, to where you can lead people. And when you hit that lid, uh, the organization, the ministry, the business will stop growing. So, if the, it, so the most important thing comes right back to what we've been saying all day is for you to equip leaders, to find great leaders, to equip those leaders, make sure that they've got the area that they're supposed to. You want them to run and let them run with it. Yeah. You know, it, 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 millions of organizations are destroyed because of micromanaging leaders, mm. because you don't. You, you are gifted at one or two things. If I could give you one word of advice as you begin this new church, the one thing I would tell you that would save you a lot of pain down the road and, and probably help you be very successful is you need to be don't need to be known for doing one or two things in the community very very well instead of twenty things poorly. Most wow. small churches do twenty things poorly because you know here's a church of a hundred and down the road is a church of five hundred or a thousand and the church of a hundred feels like they have to offer everything those other churches offer. They can't. They don't have the right. people. They don't have the resources. Uh, they don't have the facilities. You know, they don't have the uh, the finances. They don't have. Any, they don't have what that other church has. But they spend their time. And one of the one of the things that will destroy you as a leader. It's in that book right there. We talk about it. Is comparison. When you're yeah. pastoring a church of a hundred, if you compare yourself to the church of a thousand, I can tell you right now, it's not going to end well for you. 
Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I've, I begin, uh, if I'm beginning a new work like you, I would go, okay, first of all, why do we exist? What is the mission of this church? Mm-hmm. And your mission should be something you can communicate in 12 words or less. What is the mission? What, what, is it? what is the thing that Jesus raised us up to do? And it's not to empty all the churches in the community. You know, he raised you up for a specific purpose to reach people. And, and how you do that, Austin, and how Dale does that is different. I'm 60 years old, and I've been around forever. You know, you're a young guy getting it going good. How you do it's different because we're, we're made differently. And so what you want to do is you want to define, okay, what's the mission of our church, and then, and then determine how you're going to accomplish that. Now, that mission is the one thing, and you might have one other emphasis. That's it. Because what, most churches are a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to have depth and character and purpose to the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing about mission. And here's the thing about vision. Uh, it attracts and it repels. See, see, a lot of guys, especially young guys, are thinking, oh, I just got to do whatever I can to get everybody to come. If you do that, you, you'll have to do everything you can to get everybody to stay. Mm-hmm. And they'll wear you out. Some people are going to come, and you're going to say, this is the direction we're going. And some people are going to go, uh, well, you know, I don't really want to go there. And you go, well, fine. Go look, find what you're looking for. It's okay. Mission and vision attract people who are called to do what that mission and vision is, but it also repels people. And I'm, I'm going to get real honest with you on this podcast because I think about you a lot, and I, and, I, and I know your situation, and I know your church did not start as a church split. But I also know that there were people in the area from other we churches. We called it a transplant. Okay. <laughs> so so what happens is, okay, you've gone through difficult season, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you launch this new thing. And with birth, there's always momentum growth. Mm-hmm. What happens next? This is kind of this is Tony Morgan at the Unstuck Group's a bell-shaped curve uh, of, of, of life cycle of a church. So you have momentum growth. That's where you are right now. But you can't live on momentum growth, and this kind of answers your question. At some point, you have to have strategic growth. And what strategic growth means is, okay, all right, all of a sudden, you know, we've got 50 kids coming. Well, Austin, you can't be the kids' pastor and the main speaker. You know, right. we, we've got, you know, we got 17 teenagers. You can't be the, for, for uh, forever, you can't be youth pastor. And, and I know you were one. Right. And, and this lead pastor, you've got to raise up strategically people. But you don't do that because there's need. Need is not a volunteer strategy. You do it because strategically, we believe that, you know, we're trying to reach this target group of people. And we know that we need to have great children's ministry, great youth ministry. There's strategy there. Yeah. Because if you start trying to satisfy everybody, and this is what I worry about for you, you're going to have people coming to the new church. And after a while, they're going, well, hey, at the old church, we did this. Or the old church, we did that. Yeah. And they're going to start mumbling and complaining and whining and power playing to work their way up in leadership so they can help reestablish what you walked away from. Mission and vision repels those people. Wow. Those yeah. people are not going to come. And, and, and I'm not saying you're unloving, but there's nothing wrong with saying we're not going that way. This is the direction God's called us to go. Right. And some people won't go. You, you've been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, I'm assuming, from mm-hmm. here we live in South Carolina. When you're going to Gatlinburg... Uh, and you're riding up the mountain. You know, the goal is to get from, from where we are today, from Greenville to Gatlinburg. And when you get in those mountains and you start winding around, they have these places up there they call lookouts. Mm-hmm. And you can pull off, especially in the fall, and take pictures of the trees and all the leaves and that kind of thing like that. The hardest thing you're going to have to deal with as young leaders is this. And, and, I, and I learned this, from, again, from John Maxwell. If you, are, as you're going up the mountain and you're taking a picture, we're going from Greenville to Gatlinburg. We're going from Greenville to Gatlinburg. We're going up to the mountain. We're going to the top of the mountain. You're going to have people when you stop at the lookout who want to stay there. Uh, 
And it's very wow. difficult for you as a leader. You want to get everybody back on the bus. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. There's going to be some people that get off and that need to get off because everybody's not you. I know you want, I know you're passionate. You, you're optimistic. You know, you got all this, uh, this passion of youth, but everybody's not going to go from Greenville to Gatlinburg. And, and when you finally get up there, it's going to look different than it did when you started. Yeah. It's just what's wow. coming. And, and you can wear yourself out trying to coddle and, and, and love on and, and because you, because you do things like, well, yeah, but that guy right there, he's one of my biggest givers. It's Jesus's church. Mm -hmm. When you start, when, when, when there will people, when every time you stop along the way to catch your breath, people will get off the bus and you can't let that keep you from doing what God's called you to do. So when there's clarity in your mission, there's clarity in your vision. When you do one or two things really well, you know, the whole purpose of this talk today is about having you know, passion in, in, in your purpose. That's where passion comes from. Mm -hmm. See, your job, your greatest job as a preacher is to cast the vision of not just where we're going, what we're going, but what does it look like? Mm -hmm. Most folks can't see things, you know, until they get there. But your job to get to get the right people to the top of the mountain is to keep casting vision of what is, what's going to happen, what God's going to do when we get up there on top of the mountain. Uh, your ability to, to, to have sustained growth will, will be built around that ability to understand we're going to do one or two things and we're going to do it really, really well. If you have to drive it all, if you have to micromanage it, if you have to oversee it all, you will be the lid, you know, the lid that stops your mm -hmm. men. You will, your leadership will. Great leaders don't do it all themselves. You are gifted at one or two things. That's it. You're not gifted at 20 things. You find those one or two things that you're gifted at. Obviously, one of them is communicating. And so you you do that. And so you do things like you, you make sure you're, you preach, your preaching is a priority. You know, you make sure communicating is a priority. You know, doing the podcast, that's a priority. That's a communicating thing mm -hmm. you do. But you can't keep your hand in everything else. And if you can't raise up people that you trust, they're not the problem. You are. Wow. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. That is about the most valuable nugget of information you could have given us today on this podcast, and that will definitely make it to a soundbite on simple, social media. Brother. I mean, here, <laughs> the bottom line is this. Uh, uh, people are gifted. That, again, mm -hmm. it, I, I, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but that's what equipping's all about. Mm. Equip, you know, so you're a good communicator. You know, I, you know, you know who Andy Stanley is. Andy yeah. Stanley's got this huge church, North Point Church in Atlanta, and they're all over the place. When Andy first started North Point, his team that he had around him brought him, they all got together, and they fired him from doing uh, uh, events because he's terrible at it. Mm -hmm. he, 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 would, he would try to be oversee, like if they did an event, and he would try to plan, and he just caused all kind of mess because he's terrible at it. Andy Stanley's one of the greatest communicators I've ever seen. So here's the mistake. Here's some more leadership nuggets mm -hmm. for you. Here's the mistake most leaders make. Most leaders go, okay, well, I'm, we'll use you. I can communicate. I'm a good. So we take our communication, and we fly by the seat of our pants, mm -hmm. and we don't put emphasis in it. We go, I can do that, and we try our hardest. Let's just, I'll give you a number scale. So on a scale of 1 to, let's say scale 1 to 10, that you are a 2 when it comes to, let's just say, doing events. But you're a 6 at, at communicating. Most leaders will, will not emphasize or focus on their communication and try to get it to a 7 or 8. They'll spend a lot of their energy trying to get their event planning mm -hmm. from a 2 to a 3. Wow. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Get somebody who's a 6 or 8 or 10 at, at event planning and give it to them and get out of their way. Yeah. The, wow. the, the pastor so often, and again, in the small and mid-sized churches, and I get this because we feel like we have mm -hmm. to do everything. Um, 
the pastor is the they're, they're the lid that stops the thing from going. You know, and that's what I'm afraid of, and that's why I came to you with this question because I I do realize that that's an issue to some extent. Uh, obviously, because I asked the question, and I'm so thankful you answered it the way that you did. I preached a sermon this past Sunday on control. Mm-hmm. It's in the uh, sermon series we're going through right now called Faith in Progress, and uh, one. Uh, thing that I had mentioned is that the more I feel like I, and I'm just preaching from my own experience, preaching from my, uh, you know, what God's like speaking to me about here lately within my personal leadership is the more I feel like I have to be in control of every area of my leadership, of my life, of my, uh, uh, you know, my pastoral position, the more I put my hands in and feel like I have to control where I'm at, the more I'll lose control. And I'm learning that from experience. I'm learning. Where does that come from? It comes from uh, are you talking about practically from what I'm experiencing in you when you do that? What what's the issue? What's what's what is the what is the real root that's coming up? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, insecurity. Okay. So wow, it's insecurity. It's it's kind of well. Yeah. It's like I have to be in charge I, of everything, I, I, it, or it's going to fall apart. Yes, and, and see, and see that book right there is a whole story, a life story of me thinking that I that Jesus was holding me accountable for every single little thing in the church, and wow. and, and it's not that way. Here's what happens. You'll love, oh, this is good. When you're insecure, you will either consciously or or subconsciously sabotaged your organization to bring it down to where you're comfortable. Wow. So let's just say, let's just say you're very secure. If, if your ministry is at 200, if there's 200 people there, you're fine. You can go to bed at night. You can sleep. It we're wonderful. But if your leadership is only at 200 and that organization grows to 400, you will consciously what am I do? or subconsciously sabotage it. And here's what you do. All of a sudden, you have somebody on your team that's also a really good communicator, but you never let them preach because you got to be the guy. Because I'm scared to you, death you'll, they're going to take the position. Them off. You won't hand off something like uh, staff development or staff leadership to, to one of your you know administrative people because you're scared. Well, what if people start following that person instead of following me? Wow. You won't raise up people. And see, that's how you... That's how you unconsciously sabotage your own organization you'll do stupid stuff you'll get up and and and, and just say something in the sermon you know you shouldn't have said because you, you know you're going to offend some people and some of those people will leave because you will consciously or subconsciously begin to pull that thing back down to where you're comfortable so with, action with, would so, be to be aware of that and what but like you gotta know uh, yourself man exactly self-leadership and that's where i was going uh what i'm reading in obviously i'm reading books uh the last podcast was about reading books, please read books. Um, but, uh, in reading those books, a lot of them say the same thing to start with good leadership. You must, uh, lead yourself well. And, uh, when, and you gotta and be honest too, you gotta be honest with yourself. Sure. See, Jesus has, if, if you, if, and again, this is just an example, but if your lid is 200, he hasn't mm. called you to pastor a thousand. Mm. He wouldn't do that to you. He doesn't set you up for failure. He sets you up for success. But when our eyes aren't on him, or we do church the way America's always done church, that model's broken. Mm. That the, the way we've done church in the past is done. We've got to know what we're called to do, who we're called to reach, what our mission is, and be very singularly focused toward that. Yeah, and be okay with that. And you know, and I don't know your lid. You, you know, you don't know your lid. I don't know kid, my man. lid. <laughs> but, but I will tell you. Here's what you discovered. You discovered when all of a sudden you're you you hand things off to people and you take it back. 
Mm. Or you raise up somebody and then you micromanage them. You, it, you, I can tell you now, if you do that, and you know if you do it or not, you are the problem. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that. And that goes uh, for business as well, in I would anything. say. In anything. Any any realm of leadership, uh, I, I would attribute that nugget. I, I know a guy in the business world right now. He's got a wonderful company. It's a great company. This guy founded the company. He's entrepreneurial. He's a sucky leader. <laughs> now, he raised up somebody and turned it over to a guy, and as soon as he turned it over to that guy, that thing started just blowing up, man. It's making, money, making millions of dollars. It's yeah. doing great. But that dude keeps coming back and putting his hands in it. And see, here's the thing you can do as a leader. Yeah, because you are the leader. You can come in, and you can blow it all up. Yeah, you can mess it up very quickly. But, and we do that because we need we need to be needed. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Uh, uh, the the sour part of your positioning as the leader is you have the authority to jack it up. <laughs> you have the authority and privilege of jacking it up if you don't get it out of the way. And if, that's, I'm, if I'm Austin and I'm pastoring this church, I, I have somebody at my church who asks me once a month, you know, are you screwing this thing up? Mm. Which you'll be honest with. Yeah. Wow. Because it, because you'll see you'll run off you'll run off all you good people. All you, all your good people, you know, they're not because gonna, I feel like I need to make sure I suppress. When you got to be the man, you will never ever grow an organization. Wow. It won't happen. Wow! Great, yeah. All great leadership is giving the thing away. Your, your job, even now, launching that new church, is to work yourself out of a job. Wow! Raise up somebody else that can preach better than you, that can lead better than you. Because then, see, here's the thing. I learned this a long time ago. It's in the book in chapter nine. I talk about the, uh, the, the sweet spot. And, and what you don't know is that I learned this from Brad Cooper, who's a pastor over at New Spring. He, I had him come in and do a devotional for a staff that I used to work on. And, and we're talking, and he comes in, and, and, and I had him just plan to do a devotional. And old Brad walks in and goes, hey, man, this morning when I was driving here, the Holy Spirit gave me his own. Oh, okay, good. Holy Spirit, my antennas are going up. And he comes in on the whiteboard, and he draws a circle, and he talks about and he puts your sweet spot on it. And he draws all the things in that you do. He goes, and what you don't know is when you're faithful and you're contented, and not in a negative sense, but you're just you're okay with life, in your sweet spot, often God's got an unknown sweet spot He's preparing for you. You never know about till you're faithful in this one. And when uh, you aren't, yeah. when you aren't willing to raise up this organization to where you can give it away, if you don't get to that point, you'll never know about that point. Mm. That's so good. That's so good, dude. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. We're getting to the point where um, it's about time uh, time to round this up. But uh, one more question before you go, Dale, and this is a question I'll ask everybody that comes on this podcast. Uh, who would you recommend uh, that I contact next to be on this leadership podcast and why? Dude, I've got a list. But uh, if you just want one person, probably I would say the person you need to talk to right now is a guy named John Sanders. John's in uh, Flandreau, South Dakota. He's on our team at 95 Network. He heads up our coaching. But he had a podcast called the Small Town Big Church a podcast for years and years and years. Uh, but he's he's founded a he founded a church that grew into a multi-site church in a in 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 rural South Dakota. Wow. And there's so many experiences that he has. Uh, okay. and he started young and you know, and, and, and he ha he had a lot to overcome. But if you'll contact John Sanders, he'll be on your podcast and you tell him I sent you. And uh, I think he will he will help you. You know, here's the smart thing. I I had a mentor. I'll wrap up with this. I had a mentor one time that uh, I was talking to. The, uh, I told you before. You know, m the first ten years that my wife and I, Gina, we were married. We we traveled on the road with music groups back in the '80s. And I had a, a mentor named Roger Breland who had a music group that was called Truth. And he was my mentor. And I, every time he was in town, I'd go see him and sit down. We'd talk, talk, talk. And he looked at me one day. He said, "You are going to be so successful one day." 
I'm going, well, thank you, Mr. Brillen. I appreciate that. <laughs> Why do you say that? He said, because you ask a million questions. <laughs> uh, and I said, yeah, but if I can learn from your mistakes, I won't have to make them myself. He said, you're a wise man. Mm. That's, that's the kind of people you got to find. you got to find yeah. people who'll tell you about their junk, who'll tell you their mistakes, uh, and then hopefully you're smart enough not to repeat them. Sure. Well, man, thank you. I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Uh, I can't thank you enough for, uh, you know, your personal friendship mm -hmm. uh, and what you've been for me and to me uh, throughout our time. Well, I'm rooting for you, brother. Each other. I'm rooting for you. I, yeah, I man. Want, I, I want you to fulfill that. your calling. But here's here's uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you, you know, 20 years from now, I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to be a great daddy, and I want you to be a great friend. I don't care if you're a great pastor. Wow, I appreciate that. That's what matters. Wow. Yeah. Well. Uh, this has been episode three of the Free Life Leadership Podcast. It's full of um, just you can't put a price on the uh, on the on the amount of uh, wisdom in this podcast that has been shared. Thank you so much, Dale. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Again, if uh, if you want to support this podcast, if you want to um, pursue this wisdom with me, uh, and you want to help in that. You can do so by clicking the Patreon link in the bio, and you can help by giving $5, 10 or $20 a month uh, to the Free Life Leadership Podcast. That'll help us go to the next spot. That'll help us uh, grow and go. And then also, if you want if you own a business, if you want to become one of our premium business sponsors, we'll give you a shout-out and, um, and definitely try to uh, put your name out there uh, on our platform. Uh, you can do that by emailing me. Again, it'll be in the bio at austin at overcomechurch.org. If you want to connect with Dale, uh, I'm going to give him an opportunity to let you know how you can connect one-on-one uh, -on -one with Dale if that's possible, if he's making himself available for that. This is how you can do so. Dale, D-A-L-E, at 95network. The number's 95.95network.org. Give me awesome. an email, man. I'd love to talk to anybody. I'd love to help anybody I can. And you can also I can share with you about my book. And uh, You need to get this book, Stalled by Dale Sellers, Hope and Help for Pastors Who Thought They'd Be There by Now. I'm going to tell you what. It's an awesome book. It's so awesome I have two of them. These are my <laughs> personal copies. I'm going to let you know that. As a matter of fact, I'll do something I'll do something good because, because I've read the book. Um, for, for anybody who wants a copy of this book, you email me at austin at overcomechurch.org and tell me your, uh, your, your current position and how this podcast episode has helped you. Uh, and I will personally mail you this copy of Stalled. If you've enjoyed this podcast, if you can tell me how this podcast has helped you, uh, you email that to me at uh, austin at overcomechurch.org. I'll send you that copy of the book, Stalled by Dale Sellers. Uh, I may even get him to sign it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Dale, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. Love you guys. We'll see you next time.